Each episode of Keys for SLPs has an accompanying audio course on speechtherapypd.com, registered for 0.1 ASHA CEUs. A special coupon code is available for listeners of this podcast. Type the word KEYS for $20 off an audio course subscription. This audio course subscription gives access to all existing and new audio courses from speechtherapypd.com. With more than 200 hours of audio courses on demand and new courses released weekly, it is only $59 per year with the code KEYS. Visit go speechtherapypd.com slash keys for more information and start earning ASHA CEUs today. Hello, welcome to Keys for SLPs, a weekly audio course and podcast from speechtherapypd.com, exploring keys for speech language pathologists to better serve clients throughout the lifespan. I'm your host, Mary Beth Hines, SLP and certified orofacial myologist experienced in rehab outpatient, school, and private practice settings. As a curious SLP who embraces lifelong learning, I'm excited to discuss information to help you excel as a professional. Keys for SLPs brings you experts in the field of speech-language pathology, as well as collaborative professionals and caregivers to discuss practical therapy strategies, research, challenges, triumphs, and career opportunities. Engage with a range of practitioners from young innovators to pioneers in the field of speech-language pathology as we discuss a wide variety of topics to help the inspired clinician thrive. Welcome. Thanks for joining us on Keys for SLPs for this episode, Keys to Supporting and Marketing an SLP Private Practice. Before we get started, here are the financial and non-financial disclosures. Mary Beth Hines is the host of Keys for SLPs and receives compensation from SpeechTherapyPD.com. Kate Izquierdo receives compensation from SpeechTherapyPD.com for this episode. She is the owner of LEI Administrative Solutions. And now here's a little bit about our guest today, Kate Izquierdo, MACCC SLP. Kate obtained her master's degree from the State University of New York at Buffalo in Communicative Disorders and Sciences. She earned her bachelor's degree at the State University of New York at Geneseo with a double major in Spanish and Interpersonal and Organizational Communication. With 10 years' experience in the field of speech-language pathology, Kate has supported both adults and children experiencing speech-language cognitive and swallowing challenges. She is passionate about supporting bilingual individuals with culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds. She also has a special interest in augmentative and alternative communication. Kate is the owner of LEI Administrative Solutions, which specializes in tailoring support to owners of speech, language, and feeding private practices across the United States. I discovered Kate when interviewing another guest for Keys for SLPs, who is singing Kate's praises, and it has truly been an honor to get to know her. Welcome, Kate. Thank you. Hello, and thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, we are so happy to have you here on Keys for SLPs to talk about your journey that led you to open LEI Administrative Solutions. Kate, your business is such a valuable service to private practice owners, and your story is inspirational to other SLPs who have an idea for a business and are thinking about turning the idea into a reality. So let's dive in. Tell us about your journey in life and work as an SLP that led you to start LEI Administrative Solutions. 
Sure. So essentially, I had been working for the same school district for about eight or nine years, and I was in a school that I loved. I loved the staff. I loved the students. It was a really wonderful position. I, however, welcomed my daughter in October of 2020, and I knew kind of getting ready to come back, go back into the school from the maternity leave and everything. I knew that I was kind of just looking for something with a little bit more flexibility while she was young, but I wasn't quite sure what it was. So I also knew I was looking for something to really get a little bit more work-life balance. We as SLPs are always going the extra mile, working a little bit harder, having something extra on our plates. And I speaking of that, had been doing some blog writing for a friend who was an old colleague and special education teacher. She had transitioned into becoming a full-time content creator, a digital content creator and blogger. So she was talking to me and said, you know, there's virtual assistant positions out there that would allow for some flexibility. And I had this aha moment because I knew I wanted to do something still in our field and where my passion lies. So I said, you know, let me just put some feelers out there. And I went to Facebook. I went to the Facebook group. I don't know if anyone's heard of it, but SLP Private Practice Beginners with Jenna Castro-Casbon. And I just said, hey, would anybody be interested in getting some sort of administrative support if I started something like this? And the SLP community was just so supportive. I got an overflow of interest and support and kind of just took off from there. So last February 2021, I got the whole LLC, got things rolling. And then by March, we had contracts signed and I was underway. So that the rest is history. Well, that is so exciting. And it is amazing to think that you have only been in business for eight months, eight months since you took your first client, right? Yeah, we feel so lucky and fortunate. I say we because I've expanded. We've got some other contractors added to the team who are also some fellow SLPs. So it's just been such an amazing learning opportunity and really reignited my love for the field. Well, that is great. It is so wonderful to see you have such success, and I look forward to sharing it with other people. So tell us what kinds of services you offer. Sure. So that could be a very long answer. (laughs) That's okay. We've got some time. I'll let you know when to stop. (laughs) So the short answer is anything and everything that the SLP or business owner needs support with. So we know that oftentimes a business owner's plate is overflowing with responsibility. And as an SLP, I know that what comes first is the client progress reports, initial evaluation reports, home exercise programs. So the first thing that's going to fall off of that SLP's plate is what's going to bring in the most money and support for their business, the marketing plans, the community outreach, all of those things fall by the wayside. And so that's where we come in to try to support in those areas. Well, that's great. So, I mean, the growth of your company is so exciting and telling about how needed your services are. Let's say, hypothetically speaking, I'm an SLP of a private practice and I call you and what kinds of services could you offer me? Sure. So we're kind of developing a niche into three main areas. And as I say niche, I cringe because some people say niche. (laughs) I'm an SLP. so Tomato, tomato, right? (laughs) You know, one of the main things we do is support with the intake process start to finish. That could look a couple different ways. 
some businesses forward their business line to me and I start off. I'm the first point of contact for potential clients. I complete the intake paperwork, free consultation. I set up and send intake like the more in-depth paperwork as part of the process. Sometimes I do scheduling and coordinating with SLP availability. So pretty much everything with that onboarding piece. We also support with content creation and executing the vision of that business owner. So that could look like blog posts, that could look like newsletters, different visuals for Instagram, Facebook, anything that's going to get your business out there and make you more present. And then another thing we also support with is, again, executing that vision for a marketing plan and trying to reach out and establish relationships with potential referral sources and broaden that professional network. So those are kind of the main three things we've developed a really great rhythm for. Other things we might support with would be super bills, onboarding and contractor hiring, doing some orientation on behalf of the practice, paying contractors and cross-referencing, you know, their invoices with sessions. What else? (laughs) The list goes on. (laughs) That is a comprehensive list of services for sure. And social media management. So we're starting to develop a process for trying to get a little bit more involved in social media management and brand awareness with some authentic interactions and engagement opportunities. And that's really been a cool experience to just learn about that collaboratively with the private practices we represent and just helping them kind of come up with a long-term game plan for that marketing plan and how everything kind of is intertwined in promoting their website in promoting their business and having a presence on the social media piece. And back to referrals. So when you help them with the referral sources, I imagine you develop marketing and outreach materials, but do you actually go to the referral sources or, or call or do you leave that up to the business owner? How does that work? So depending on what is needed. It's really case by case where we kind of step in, but frequently what we do is help establish a list of who the contacts might be. Sometimes the clients provide that to us. If they have a really good idea of, hey, I want to reach out to these dentists and orthodontists to get a referral stream for orofacial myofunctional therapy, right? That part depends, but we do frequently make calls and we have kind of a script to go through that we customize and fine tune and tweak to talk about establishing that reciprocal network, offer for any literature to go out to them. And then we sometimes follow up with different mail outs. So it really depends on what the vision is. My job is just to help execute whatever that vision is and whatever that SLP is passionate about. Well, that is sure a comprehensive list of services. Now, why do you feel like obviously you, as I said in your bio, you have a background as an undergrad in interpersonal communication, but why do you feel you as an SLP or any SLP would be uniquely suited for this role? You know, I've thought about that a lot. And my first answer kind of feels like just kind of to be authentic and throw that out there with the whole imposter syndrome feeling that some of us might experience. I think, you know, why? Why why would I be good for this? Why would it need to be an SLP? But when I really step back and reflect on the growth of my clients, but also the position I found myself in after eight months establishing this business is there's so 
much that I as an SLP am well suited to support with. Just the background as a speech language pathologist and having that utmost respect for the business owner. I know how many hats they wear and I treat every business that I represent as my own. And I don't think you would necessarily get that with someone else SLP or not. So I know that my values and how where I stand on that is definitely a component, but also just you know, when it comes to the little things like that are the most important things in that intake process. If I'm in a conversation as an SLP and I hear something like a diagnosis of autism, I know to ask more about the history. I know to ask more about any other related services, perhaps, you know, OT or, or, hey, are there any feeding difficulties that we can support with? So I know to dig deeper and what I hear and how to respond to it with that SLP hat on. But in that case, even, you know, asking about AAC or just other areas that I can dive into. Even just today, you know, I took a call and I got a sense. They were like, well, I want to speak to the owner. I, why should I relay this information to you? And then you'll relay it to the owner. Let me just talk to the owner. And, and then I said, you know, I'm a speech pathologist. I'm happy to answer any questions you have. And then from there, I can connect you because Time is money. And I know that a lot of these owners are seeing clients all day in sessions. And so that's what I can kind of take from them to make their lives easier as that business owner. Exactly. Exactly. Being an SLP, you really understand, you know, it, what do we say? It, it takes one to know one. You know, you really understand what is needed as an owner of a private practice. Yeah. And I think just being a daughter of a business owner, my mom owned a business for years and years. And now being a business owner myself, it just has allowed me to really have the utmost respect. It's really just compounded how much respect I have for these SLPs and learning how much goes into running their businesses. It's not just through the lens of what I experienced for the last several years in a school position. And so that's been a really cool experience it's just allowed me to really guide my ethical beliefs, whether it's me or somebody else representing them on my team, to make sure that we're doing the best thing to represent their company. And knowing just as a lot of my private practice owner clients hire contractors to represent their practices, standards, and reputations, I'm doing the same thing with my organizational background and where that comes into play too with my undergrad degree. It's not just the SLP hat that makes Mm -hmm. us well-suited to represent these different companies. Well, that's great. And those intake calls are so important. I know, you know, as a mother through the years, seeking various services for my kids or even calling a school to possibly apply to the school, that first person that you talk to on the phone is so important with that first impression. And the more knowledgeable and friendly that person is, it gives you confidence in that organization. So obviously you're very confident and well-spoken, but you also know speech-language pathology. I'm so happy to be part of those initial steps to establish that rapport and build that trust because it's so important. Oftentimes I'm speaking with parents who just feel lost. They don't know where to go next. They don't know what they don't know about the process. So it, it feels really great to be able to support them with that. Yeah. And really being able to make that connection to a parent and to let them know that you understand what their concerns are is so important for that's really the first step in building rapport. And I will say 
as a parent, one of my now clients, I actually got a functional assessment for my daughter. And so I think being able to share that, especially in the world of private practice where feeding is so much more in-depth than maybe other areas of speech that we could specialize in, having that knowledge as a mom now and being able to empathize with the fear and the frustration and kind of the anguish I hear on the other line, some the other end of the phone line sometimes, I can reassure them authentically, you know, we can help you. I feel confident in that. So that's been an unexpected experience. And I think something that's, you know, in my personal life been able, I've been able to see that as being such an asset in my professional life too, because I can genuinely say it's making me a better professional too. Well, that is great. And congratulations, by the way, on your new daughter. (laughs) Becoming a parent is such an important, obviously, milestone in our lives. And it's been fun to be able to talk to you about the experiences you've had in the past year. And she just celebrated her first birthday, right? She did. We're out in Colorado, but all of our family is in New York. So we flew home for the big celebration and we practice happy birthday. So she wouldn't be like, whoa, what's going on? There is a little bit of pressure there when you're an SLP, right? And they're, you know, everyone's waiting for those first words. And yeah, so yeah, the, yeah it's, it's, it was amazing. It's just, I can't believe we're here. I can't believe a year has flown by like it has, but what do they say? The days are long, but the years are short, right? Yep. Yep. Very true. All right. Well, back to intake calls. So we've established they're probably one of the most important things about growing a private practice. So what advice would you have for a listener who might be starting their own private practice and they've decided, I'm not at this point able to outsource, I'll be taking my own intake calls, or they'll be training someone to take intake calls? I would say just organization is key from the beginning. I personally would recommend investing in an electronic medical record system early on. I think it really helps to streamline communication through the whole process. It's not about who initially calls, but it's where are they at and completing the paperwork. What is your process? Do you schedule before they complete the paperwork or is it a must do before you even talk scheduling? So thinking about all those key details will really help keep things in line and as organized as possible as your business grows, as well as it will help you be efficient in that specific process because time is money. You don't want to be spending all of this extra time and then have to go back and reorganize your thoughts or know what next steps are. And I think also just taking the time to collaborate with whoever might be completing the calls or even just thinking about the script and anticipating what questions you need to address, especially like if you have a specialization, to get as much information in that intake process and answer some of those preliminary questions for your prospective client to really anticipate, come up with a script of sort beyond the demographic information so you have a really great idea of what you're walking into and try to anticipate the questions that might come up about, you know, we always get those cost questions, how long is it going to take questions? (laughs) And you have to be prepared for that to gain their trust and be able to answer right away and confidently. 
Well, thank you. One of the first thing that you mentioned was investing in that electronic medical record system. Can you tell us a little bit about what the options are and how much of an investment that is? I'm sure there's a range, but in your experience, what have you found? I find it varies. It's quite variable, so I don't want to speak to the cost necessarily, but in terms of, you know, I've tried just kind of throwing some examples out of what I've had access to with different clients, Theranest, Fusion, Intake Q, Sign Now for Documents, Practice Suite, Simple Practice, and they all have their benefits for sure. My personal preference, and it's it's just because for me, this is the way my brain works. I really like Theranest. It feels intuitive and organized and streamlined and just easy for me. There are a lot of opportunities for keeping track of billing in the ledger area and everything. So again, that's my personal preference. I know a lot of people are a fan of Fusion, which I'm newer to, but I think just anything to help streamline from the beginning is a really great consideration. Okay. And that kind of leads into you provided an excellent handout for us, which lists a lot of resources that you have used and you've provided resources, tips and tricks. So can you share that handout with us? And that just, uh, by the way, that handout is available to those listening on speechtherapypd.com. It is not available to people who are listening on another podcast platform, but of course, they could reach out to you and we'll have your contact information available at the end. Of course, I'd be happy to help. So as I said, Theranest, as far as an electronic medical record, is something I find really valuable. Also, if you're thinking about creating content and doing visuals and just kind of tapping into that creative side, I would check out Canva. Again, I think it's really user-friendly. There are all sorts of things. You can use it for branding for your private practice. You can use it for Insta, Instagram visuals or different stories. There's so much available. I'm sure I'm just skimming the surface with what it's capable of. So far, though, I've really found that that's great for different design needs. Okay. And just to clarify, so Canva is not an electronic medical record system. It is a website creation. Yeah. Yep. And there's like different levels of what could be included in your plan and your package. So you could kind of play around with what your needs are. But yeah, so that would be kind of regarding the content creation, visuals, branding aspects of things. That is one resource that I would recommend. There are others similar, but it kind of just takes some of the legwork out of searching for that creative piece. It really it is a great place to start as a jumping point to brainstorm and see what different ideas are out there. Okay. Let's talk about specialization. So what is your recommendation to a potential private practice owner who's thinking about opening their own practice and they're thinking about being a generalist or being specialized or just seeing certain populations? Right. From what I've kind of discovered, specialization early on seems to be key. It helps you really develop and strengthen that vision and mission It helps you hit the ground running to establish those professional network resources so you get a referral stream in. And if you're not sure, that's okay too, you know, to be that general SLP. I mean, like I said, there are so many areas 
to specialize in, it's hard to narrow it down mm-hmm. when, when that's the great thing about our field. So it's something that can be done later. And there's different tips and tricks for that that I've supported with. But if you already know that there's something you're passionate about, why not dive in and really live every day doing what you're passionate about? And the referrals will come. The clientele will come. You will be able to build that income stream and system of supports. Well, one nice thing about where we are at this point in time is that teletherapy is a viable option. So if you want to specialize, you have more opportunities to see clients who may not live right in your area that you, you know you can see people throughout your state as well as if you really want to specialize, you know, have the option of getting various state licenses so you can see people within that specialty throughout the United States. You're right. And just kind of anecdotally, I've noticed kind of two advantages to the telepractice as well. One, if you need to have a flexible schedule, that's a really great opportunity to cater, you know, to some other sort of time zone that's going to accommodate your schedule. It broadens the amount of work hours you can do if that's something you're looking to pursue. And also, kind of a happy accident I stumbled upon this week is I'm working on some marketing support for a newer client of mine. And I am going back to her this week to have the conversation of, we have a very good problem. There is such an opportunity for potential referral sources. I'm not even quite sure where to start because she is predominantly practicing via telepractice virtually. And so when you try to develop your community, which it's completely doable. It's almost too big of a community that you Mm -hmm. want to try to narrow it down and parse it down to be more manageable and more intimate so that you can really establish those relationships no matter near or far. So that's a fun little discovery we're making as well. Yeah, I didn't think about the time zone. I mean, that's a very good point, especially for someone who, let's say they're a school-based speech-language pathologist, and they're working until three o'clock in their time zone on the East Coast, you know, they could, if they want to reach out to clients on the West Coast, you know, there's still a longer time in the day that they could actually see clients. It's definitely worked out for me reaching out to referral sources on the East Coast because My kid's up at six in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it can work in a lot of different ways. Exactly. That is great. Okay. And let's see what else. So tell us about, have you mentioned Trello? I have not yet. Trello and Google Workspace, I really like. So Trello seems to have a lot of capabilities. You can customize and automate different things. The way I have utilized it, and I, I could see diving into it more, is Even throughout the intake process, you might have a list of clients who've inquired but have a hard time keeping track of, okay, these are the ones I'm playing phone tag with. These are the ones I've sent intake paperwork to, but they haven't, you know, completed it yet. Or these people have completed the paperwork. They're ready to go with a therapist. We're just waiting for availability or to schedule. So it just kind of helps you along in the process. I also really like, I love Google. That's okay. You say that apologetically. It's okay. I like Google too. Well, you know, love like Microsoft. And so I just, I'm just more comfortable with it. And I love Google Workspace because 
you can do a lot of that same organizational stuff in the intake process through sheets, but also just what the availability is for collaborating within sheets or even separate from what I might be doing administratively, but like paperwork wise, report templates, anything like that. And if you purchase the business domain and do the next steps to really secure things, it's a great tool, no matter how small or large your business is, just to ensure you're as HIPAA compliant as you want to be or should be. I just love it. There are a lot of really great collaborative features. It's easy and it's kind of a one-stop shop for a lot of tools. And then you also recommended Calendly. Yeah, Calendly seems to be a really great tool for scheduling. You can embed it into your website or Facebook page. It can be used to offer different, let's say, consultation slots, 15-minute slots if you have a lull in your sessions and want to have people automatically schedule with you for consultations. Also, If you are trying to establish that flow of those reciprocal professional partnerships and have meetings set up with different people, pediatricians, offices, dentists, orthodontists, whoever it might be, and you want to just send them a calendar link to sign up at their earliest convenience, that's also a really great tool. It's easy to use. You can customize it and it's done. Excellent. Excellent. Which you bring up a good point. You said you can either link it on your Facebook or website. Do you have any insight with your clients as to what is preferred? Use an actual website versus Facebook? That is an excellent question. I can tell you what I prefer as a mother. I prefer an actual website. I don't really like to go to Facebook for things like that. Or like when you look up on Google and you you look up a business and then it links you to the Facebook I guess I'm not a true Facebooker. I do have an account, but I always prefer to go to a a website. I don't think you're alone in that. And it's such a loaded question because it kind of depends on the why. What is your purpose in establishing that website or page, whether it's like Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter these days, even to get your business out there. So depending on if you're looking to, are you looking to network with potential referral sources and other professionals. LinkedIn's great, right? Or Facebook or Instagram or your website. If you're looking to just get a presence out there, certain avenues are more effective than others. If you're looking to really boost your search engine optimization, that SEO, then you'll need to concentrate on your website. So you're coming up in those Google searches and there are little tips and tricks. And I've always said, I am here to execute that vision of whoever I'm supporting as that private practice owner. I definitely learned a lot of tips and tricks and While that has been so valuable and I've been able to apply that with different clients and it truly feels like a collaborative community, there are things out there that can help support alongside what I'm doing to help everybody learn more about how to optimize that website, you know, how to get more presence on the social media platforms as well, which is a little bit trickier, but I guess the short answer to that is it depends what the purpose is in that and what I'm finding to be really beneficial and where I'm coming into support is how can we cross advertise and maybe say, hey, check out our blog that's linked to the website that will boost the search engine optimization, but do it via 
Instagram and advertise that way. And so there are little things you can do to boost your presence on everything. It's not going to hurt. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Well, those are a lot of resources. And again, I'm just going to hold up the handout. Everyone listening tonight can get it. It's attached to this course and it will be attached in the future for anyone who's listening in the future. And can you give us your contact information if you're okay with that for people who are listening through a different podcast platform? So my email is kate at leiadminsolutions.com. And my phone number is 720-808-0976. We also just launched our Facebook. So you'll see on the website, I'm sorry, not the website, the handout link to this podcast. We have a QR code so you can find us on Facebook that way. Give us a like. You can locate that with the handle at LEI Administrative Solutions. Okay, great. All right. So obviously you're doing great with your business and you're helping so many people. And we always like to talk about case studies. So in this case, we're going to talk about some case studies of clients that you have helped and talk about how your help helps them grow their business. Along the way, give some tips and tricks that might help other people who are listening tonight. So can you tell us about a success story of one of your clients who outsourced administrative and marketing tasks? Absolutely. That's the wonderful thing about this position. I just, it's so just exciting and refreshing to be part of a team to support all these different private practices. And even though I really, I miss the kids, I really miss the session sometimes, It's nice to be able to spread that support in a different capacity. So I can think of two examples, if you don't mind me sharing. Oh, nope. That would be great. (laughs) One of them is Jillian Gladstone of Gladstone Speech. She serves the area of D.C., Virginia, and Maryland, and she's just amazing. She specializes in orofacial myofunctional therapy. She just got her COM letters. I've mainly supported with the intake process and the organizational piece to just kind of take that off her plate so she can concentrate on expanding and other aspects of the business. So she went from back in March when we started, it was her and one other clinician. And now she's up to, I want to say seven clinicians and counting. We still need more myo specialists. They don't only do orofacial myofunctional therapy, but also general speech and language for the pediatric population, as well as some bilingual support too for Spanish speaking individuals or any bilingual background they're well suited for analyzing and doing that sort of evaluation. So that's been amazing to see her growth. And it's just impressive. Before we get into the other, can we talk a little bit about Jillian? So she had been in business for how many years before you started working with her? Great question. Gosh, I don't quote me on this. <laughs> I want to say a couple years. I want to say it was four years. I might be incorrect about that. So I think that just kind of goes to show too, wearing all those hats. She's been amazing and growing her business. And the inquiries that she gets on Google are really outstanding and impressive. There are only so many hours in the day and, you know, I don't want to speak for her. I have to imagine if I'm doing more intake calls to allow for her to see more clients for sessions, that's only going to help expand her business, even word of mouth wise. 
I just wanted to make that point because this was an already established business who, as you said, just, you know, not enough hours in the day to do everything. So when she was able to outsource some of those tasks, she could really focus on her business and it has grown exponentially, really. So that's great. Okay, next one. Another amazing human being and individual I work for is Christy Moradi. She is out of New York on Long Island, and she owns Cove Speech and Foodology Feeding. So when we started, I guess she had that general network established for speech and language. And then we have worked really hard on executing her marketing plan to continue to specialize and increase in business in the area of feeding that she is just amazing. And she actually did my daughter's functional assessment. So I can speak as a mom and a professional at just kind of how in awe I am of her. And I've been supporting with a couple areas, but I would say that marketing piece in establishing those reciprocal professional partnerships has been really exciting to see the growth and hearing back from people. And when I do some of the intake calls hearing, oh, so-and-so referred me. And I say, aha, that's great. Like, you know, we're, we're hearing about that referral stream now. And so she's also built and expanded in clientele as well as uh, clinicians. And yeah, it's just been a really great experience to see and be able to support their visions and, and watch them flourish and continue to grow. Oh, that, that's great. So when you talk about reciprocal professional partnerships with a pediatric, she's a basically a pediatric private practice therapist, right? She does see some adults because she supports all speech and language <laughs> needs. She's got some clinicians who could support with that culturally, linguistically diverse background. She's got some clinicians who have training specific to apraxia literacy, post-stroke and aphasia for adults. So kind of the whole gamut, but where her passion lies and where she has clinicians, including herself, who specialize in feeding as well as infant feeding, she has that area that continues to expand as well. Okay. That's great. So my question is for an infant or pediatric practice, as far as referral sources, do you, of course, word of mouth is number one, word of mouth is great, right? But if you're actually going to actively cultivate those reciprocal referral sources, what would it be the recommendation that you might give someone? Pediatrician offices, is that the first place that you would go? Or We've got a couple different types of networking sources that we reach out to. So pediatricians would be a great example midwives or lactation consultants, because oftentimes we're working alongside them. Like if there ah. is, if a, you know, someone were born premature or with some sort of genetic condition, we are at top of mind for a doula or a midwife. They might think to refer us. It's of course not necessarily reciprocal in cases right. like that, as much as with pediatricians or psychologists who might do developmental assessments for autism, let's say, or occupational therapists. So we really work to customize what kinds of questions we ask based on the nature of the relationship we're looking to establish. Like Christine and her practice, she also is really highly trained in oral facial myofunctional therapy. So 
one thing we are working on is continuing to establish relationships. If somebody needs a release and we send them for a consult, then you know, we work alongside those individuals to do that pre and post treatment, but we really want to make sure it's a good fit and that they have that extra training too, because we know as speech pathologists, we can have different specializations and additional trainings. So we have that lens too, when we're seeking out that professional partnership. So we make sure it's a strong one and we were referring out appropriately. And how about, and of course, again, with adults, there could be a wide range of diagnoses and reasons for people coming to see a speech-language pathologist, but what are the good reciprocal referral sources for adults? I'd say it really depends on the scenario. I know that one person I recently spoke to is, I forget the exact title, but they help utilize different funding to get the services that an adult needs, whether it's related to a developmental disability of some sort or a post-stroke, dementia, anything like that. And so this person with that rehabilitative background is able to help coordinate services. And so it would be helpful for them to have as many people in their network in those cases. Exactly. Exactly. Excellent. And at this point, I just want to remind our listeners that if you have any questions, you can ask them in the chat, just write them in the chat and I will ask Kate. So we'd love to be as interactive as possible. And also a little housekeeping reminder for anyone who is hoping to get live CEUs for this course, please, after the course, log back into your speechtherapypd.com account and complete the entire course, including the survey, by the end of the day today so you can get live credit. What has been the biggest surprise since you've started LEI Administrative Solutions? I would say just how much I've really enjoyed collaborating with these amazing SLPs. And I've learned so much. It's really reignited, like I mentioned earlier, my love for our field helped me to realize we can really make it what we do every day, whatever we want. That's the great thing about the flexibility of what we do. We can help people in so many ways. I think I've just been really impressed with the growth of LEI in such a short amount of time. And I think that really speaks to how much of a need there is there's just so much to be done owning a business that I'm just honored to be able to work alongside these incredible people and help them. While I do miss, you know, the stories and the kids, I, I miss working with the kids. It has been really wonderful to feel like I can support in a different capacity to help other SLPs grow and get that support. That is great. That is so wonderful to hear. You know, we all enter our, well, I think every SLP I know who's entered this profession has entered it because he or she has wanted to help. And so it's great to just support other SLPs and know that you can actually help in a different way. You might not be helping clinically but you are helping other SLPs in a different way. And, you know, the reason why we wanted to do this course was to give other SLPs inspiration for starting their own business. You know, so many people 
have different ideas. You know, I think most SLPs are very creative. And so they either have an idea, let's say for a therapy technique, marketing that, or maybe different resources, you know, maybe they've thought about in therapy, maybe they've developed, have a good idea for a toy that could be used or with adults, you know, maybe some kind of tool that could be used. Your story is just so inspirational to other people who might have just that idea and just need a little push to move it along. So we really appreciate you sharing it. You're right. I mean, if I can do it, anybody can do it. You just have to have the drive and the vision. I just support with a puzzle piece of what these SLPs do as private practice owners. Yeah, it's so fun to be working as a part of a team. So you started this because after you had your daughter, you were just looking for a l- something a little bit different to give you a little bit more flexibility. And I think it's so inspirational, your story to other people who might be looking for a little bit, you know, a little flexibility, something a little bit different. So one of your, and I love your logo because it shows balance. So one of your goals is to help other people achieve balance and you were hoping to achieve balance. So how do you feel after, it's not, it hasn't even been a year, but after eight months, well, how do you feel if you've achieved that balance that you were seeking to achieve? I don't know that anyone with a one-year-old feels any bit of balance. It's something that I definitely, I do. I do feel like I'm getting there and striving for that work-life balance. Maybe if I weren't so sleep deprived, I'd feel a little bit better about that. It truly like allows me to work really hard and also establish my own schedule around her activities. And I was around for her first steps and things that are you know, everyone has something that's important to them. And I feel like I've been able to balance what's important to me, both my family, as well as my career. And again, whether it's, you know, I've got this business, but it's to build up other small business owners. And if this is going to allow them to do more of what they enjoy and balance it, that's just such an added pro to this new endeavor. It is a universal theme, I think. Uh, We are all looking for that work-life balance. Anything else that you have learned along the way? I know we have a few more minutes. I've learned so much. It's hard to really pinpoint it. You know, one thing I haven't talked about that I would really want to stress, and I'm sure many people are already feeling this way if they are, are already deep into owning a private practice that accepts insurance. Insurance is a beast in and of itself. And another thing I would recommend is if you were to accept insurance, really work with somebody who's really well-versed in the credentialing piece and navigating those contracts and have a really clear vision of what that's looking like. And I know that's not the fun part is talking about insurance versus private pay, but it's something that could potentially take up a lot of your brain space and time. So you'd want to have a really great vision for where you want to go with that. Okay. And there are different businesses that consult on insurance. And you are not one of those. I am not. I do feel like it's something, you know, we can all wear many hats. So with that, 
just because you can do it all doesn't mean you should do it all. And I know with the hats I want to wear, I want to make sure I'm doing it well. And that's one hat that you kind of have to wear most of the time if you're specializing in any sort of support like this. So there are some individuals who I feel really confident in working alongside for that, um, that I could always talk to someone about if they were interested. But yeah, that's a whole different kind of gig there. (laughs) However, you do help people with the super bill. So for private practice owners who are thinking about insurance versus super bill, can you kind of specify the difference between taking insurance and providing a super bill? So what I know to be true, my current understanding with the support I provide, the super bill is if if we are a private practice and we are administering services, at the end of the month, we provide an invoice to our client and they're able to submit it to their insurance if that's something they wish to pursue. And it has everything that they would need to get reimbursement. The rate of reimbursement is variable depending on that individual's out-of-network benefits and specific coverage plan, but it has all of the practices information, the procedural codes, the ICD-10 code, and that's really the rate of reimbursement, again, is dictated case by case. If you were to accept insurance, my understanding is that you, as the private practice owner, enter into an agreement about that rate of reimbursement, and there is a lot more in the process to be had with different standards and practices you have to follow to submit specific paperwork. For some insurances, you need to have doctor's referrals And you have to have the credentialing can look different depending on if you're a sole owner versus having contractors versus employees. So it's much more detailed for that reason. It has to go through. I would consider consulting with somebody who's really well versed in that for the in-network piece, whereas the out-of-network piece, the super bills are more of a standalone process. That is the responsibility of the client, not the practice In some situations, you might still be asked if you're private pay only to complete like a prior authorization form or something um, to support with that. But it's really, again, case by case. Okay. So with your clients, your private practice owners, are most of them providing the super bill on a monthly basis or more like a year end basis? I am seeing monthly. I don't know enough about the back end piece of like the process to know what the regulations are with that. But I think it's just something too that the clients appreciate because that's essentially their invoice and their receipt. So it's monthly at the latest. And after evaluations, they of course get them as well. The advantage of a lot of these electronic medical record systems also is that you can automate. And if you organize and do the legwork ahead of time to put the different procedural codes in and you keep up on your paperwork and everything because we're always caught up on paperwork as SLPs. There are ways to automate and generate those super bills as well. Okay. And then with your clients who do provide super bills, do most of them ask for payment from the individual? And then it's a matter of the individual getting it from the insurance company separately. Yep. The insurance company, we have nothing to do with the reimbursement. It's something that the client, the practice's client pursues if they want to. And if they get reimbursement, it goes directly to them. We have nothing to do with that. We just get the payment as sessions occur. 
Okay. Now, do you have any clients who respectfully say, I will not provide super bills, or is it pretty standard that everyone will provide them? So depending on the client, I customize whatever I'm doing based on their needs. So I don't know the billing piece for every client I work with. Some of them I'm just doing marketing, for example, but I haven't come across that yet that they wouldn't submit that because again, it's very much, if for nothing else, it's, it's the receipt for services. There's some sort of proof of service. So yeah, that's what I've gathered so far. Okay. And any advice to someone who wants to start their private practice, but like maybe they're going to start it out really small. Like we recently had a guest who was going to start one, but just with like three or four clients, would you still recommend that they invest in the electronic medical record system? Or do you think that that if they're only starting with like, let's say less than five, would you recommend that people follow kind of the same steps that you've outlined or take a more old-fashioned approach, at least in their record keeping? I think that it really depends on their long-term goals. If they're looking to just coast with three to five clients in addition to a full-time job, perhaps, maybe an entire system isn't warranted, especially because some of them can be quite pricey. I just think that if there are plans to expand, it's kind of like if you build it, right? It's there. The infrastructure is there. It's secure more than anything else. So you don't have to risk that. You don't have the headache later of transitioning all of one organizational system or lack thereof in some cases to a different, more efficient system. Everybody kind of finds out what works for them. And frequently, it's not that there wasn't some sort of system in place to begin with. It's just as practices expand, what I've observed is They've expanded so much so that it's just a lot to juggle with something working within a structure that might not be as intuitive for what we do. Okay. And here's a question, and I don't I don't know if you know the answer to it, but I just thought of it. I'm kind of curious. Have the number of private practices grown since we've been dealing with COVID-19 and the pandemic? I have no idea, but I hope to find out and work with a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's a really great question. I well, we'll have to see. I just came across a governing kind of source for private practitioners that I wasn't aware of before in my previous role in the schools. And I wonder if they'd have statistics on that. Is that an ASHA governing for private practice owners? I'm not positive. I'd have to go back and check. Okay. No problem. That is interesting. I know that there is an ASHA special interest group for private practices. Is there not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you include that with the resources? What specifically? The special interest? Oh, the, the ASHA special interest groups. I did no, not. No. I'm fairly okay. certain there is though. Again, I feel like I've been working so much in the business. Um, I don't know all the questions <laughs> on the business with the bigger picture of private practice in my new community, but these are all things that I'm very curious to look into more. Okay. Well, thank you. And before we go, can you give everyone your email again and your phone if you wish? Yep. It's at kate at leiadminsolutions.com. And the phone number is 720-808-0976. Excellent. Excellent. And as a reminder, again, for anyone who would like your live CEUs, please go to speechtherapypd.com, log into your account, Take the survey and complete the course by the end of the day today.
All right. Well, Kate, thank you so much. It's so exciting to hear about your journey as an SLP, new mother, and new business owner. Thank you for the excellent handout you provided. Your services truly help SLPs obtain a work-life balance as they grow their private practice. And congratulations to you for obtaining your own work-life balance as a young mother as you grow your business. You took an idea and you ran with it. And your story is just such an inspiration to other SLPs who want to take that leap to either open their own private practice or start a business, get a patent on that great toy that they've developed. So thank you for being such an inspiration to others. Your organizational skills and clinical expertise and enterprise have taken you so far in a very short time. It's really so amazing. And we wish you the best of luck in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much for your kind words. And thanks for the opportunity for me to come here and share. I hope it inspired somebody to take that leap as well. It's all you need is a little faith in yourself. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for joining us here at Keys for SLPs, providing keys to open new doors to better serve our clients throughout the lifespan. Remember to go to speechtherapypd.com to learn more about earning ASHA's CEUs for this episode and all podcasts offered by speechtherapypd.com. Until next time, I'm your host, Mary Beth Hines. Keep up the good work.